It's November the 15th, 2010. For National Podcast Post Month, this is Description Daily. I have to read this. I'd, I get these um, missives, a uh, newsletter from a fellow named uh, Bob, Bob Lefsetz, who is a um, music industry guy. I think I've mentioned him before. Music industry guy. And, and he now blogs from like outside the industry, but knows a lot and says a lot of things, usually slagging one thing or another. And um, he saw um, Metallica... Uh, last night play um, a party that launched the new Call of Duty game. Yeah. This is this, and he talked to Lars Ulrich, and this is this is really interesting. He's an interesting guy, Lars Ulrich. <clears throat> Let's give you some idea. I went tonight to the Santa Monica airport to hear Metallica. As Mark Ryder said, how often do they play in my backyard? It was an Activision party celebrating the launch of Call of Duty Black Ops. There were celebrities and military men, but I just went to hang with Mark and the associated Metallica tribe. Peter Paterno, their lawyer, Vicky Strait, who runs their fan club, and other associated Q-Prime players. They had chopped beef and noodles and endless desserts and the ability to try out the game, but the highlight was Metallica, who did a killer version of Master of Puppets and ended with Enter Sandman. It was mostly a male crowd, but when the band finished with the 20-year-old classic, 20-year-old classic, Jesus, it was fascinating to see even the women sing every word. What power that must be to write a song that everybody knows, even though you don't know everybody. And when the show was over, the assembled Metallica multitude journeyed to a backstage area where we caught up. That's the funny thing about rock and roll. We live all over the world, but are part of the same family, connecting at various gigs. Yeah, I used to have that. And Peter Standish and Metallica's guitar tuning tech wanted to talk to me about Little Feet. Amazing how people are most passionate about bands the mainstream believes don't count. And after about 90 minutes, I go over to say goodbye to Paterno when Ryder buttonholes me. Did I speak with Lars? I don't want to speak with rock stars at the show. They never remember who you are and they're working. And if you don't think it's work, you've never been there. Sure, they stop playing at some point, but they're wired on adrenaline. They can't slow down. There's an endless parade of fans who want to talk to them. You don't want to enter this herd. But I kind of know Lars. I went with the whole band to dinner a couple years back, just before Death Magnetic, and we connected during the Napster era. But is he really going to remember who I am? And he looks a little worse for wear. Metallica's performance is quite a physical one, and he seems to have had a few drinks. But Mark is leading me by the elbow, and we go over, and Lars calls me by name. That's so surprising. Never mind that too many readers call me shithead. I feel too much like I walk through life invisible. And what do you say to someone you see so infrequently? You talk about the show, and Lars starts testifying about Activision, about making the band's version of Guitar Hero, how the game made him a hero with his kids, and how when they animate you they can pump up the biceps and all, fix all of your flaws. And we're laughing in that backstage way, like we're all in it together, though the evening ends, we'll go our separate ways and maybe not see each other for years. And Lars asks me how I'm doing, what I'm up to in the blogosphere, what's keeping me busy. And I'm speechless. This is the reason I started to see a shrink. I, don't, I didn't believe anybody was listening to me. I felt that no one was paying attention. And to this day, it's a problem. Even with people who want to meet me, they want to tell me their story. They think they know mine, but they don't. And the more they talk, the quieter I get. I don't want to be unfriendly, but it's weird when your sole role is to listen. 
I've spent too much time listening to the point where I'm almost unable to tell my story. I had this problem. And now I was on the spot. Figuring the moment would pass, I didn't bother responding, believing that Lars wasn't truly that interested. But he persisted. <coughs> and I spoke about the crazy times we live in, and the EMI decision, and the Live Nation earnings call, and then we discussed Metallica's next album, and I felt alive and involved. I felt human. Now by this time, the other members of the band were long gone. The curfew at the Santa Monica airport had expired, and they journeyed off to LAX for the ride home. But Lars had stuck around. You see, Lars enjoys being a rock star. He enjoys the camaraderie, the trappings. If not, why do it? And rule number one of backstage talk is you don't break confidence. But when I got on the freeway, I couldn't stop thinking about our conversation. No one asks me about me, except Lars Ulrich of Metallica. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's kind of a a, a non horrendous rock story. Yes. You know, it's like an intellectual one. In fact. <clears throat> yeah. And I guess he, Lars, can be a bit of a douchebag. But one thing, he never seems to be as disinterested. He's not. I don't think he's arrogant. So much as, you know, if you're in Metallica, it would be very hard not to be somewhat arrogant. Um, mm. They are, without doubt, the biggest metal band ever. Yeah. I think they're still pretty much the same band as they started off. Oh, no. Well, okay, they haven't got Dave Mustaine. And they haven't got Cliff Burton. Which they can do about that one, is there? But, um, and they haven't gotten that one guy who left. The bassist guy? Newstead. Oh, Jason Newstead. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Other than that, exactly the same guy. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, the, the, apart from the bassist thing, Jason Newstead was a bit of a jerk. <laughs> Cliff Burton was an excellent bassist, but died. Mm. So, yeah, what but can you they do? Got, but they got the main deal, haven't they? They still got the original drummer and James Hatfield. Yeah. And Cliff, uh, Kirk Hammer. Yeah. Which is the main three, really. Mm. Bands can lose bassists by, you know, every album in there, and it won't necessarily sound all that different. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. When you lose a singer or a lead guitarist, you're in trouble, or or a drummer. When you, well, drummer, no. Yeah. Well, that, that drummer. You have to be a pretty special drummer. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm saying, and uh, Lars is. Um, but if you've got your your well. Oh, yeah. Because they, you know, you you can get, you can have a drummer that can play a hundred percent in time all the time, but doesn't have that ability to kind of improvise. Like yeah, Bill Ward for Black Sabbath, for example, mm. or, or Bonham for um, Zeps. Yeah, they would not have sounded the same with a different drummer. They would have sounded completely different. That's true. People, yeah, people take that for granted. To find out more. And to subscribe, go to descriptiontoronto.com. Uh-huh.